0: Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting SPARKS Will Fly" as one word, APP to 77977. That's SPARKS Will Fly APP to 77977. Or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Everybody there, 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read a good amount of uh, scripture right here, so just hang tight, and uh, I believe that you guys are going to leave encouraged, stirred, uplifted, and empowered today. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 says, and the sons of the prophets, excuse me, let's start in verse 8. Let's skip down to verse 8. We're jumping right in the middle of this. We'll give you context in a second. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. I'm reading out of the New King James. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. And therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us, which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Thank you for the prophetic Lord Jesus. So he said, Go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it is told him, saying surely, that he is in Dothan. Pay play close attention to where Elisha was there. He was in Dothan. Verse 14, therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Everybody look up here. Greater is he, friend, that is within you, come on, than he that is in in this world. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. I'm almost done. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this, people. I pray with blindness. Notice how he didn't go out to battle. Notice how he didn't fight. He asked the Lord to strike them with blindness. Come on, Matt told you this morning, we fight our battles in the heavenlies. Amen? So now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. So follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he didn't lead them back to where they thought they were going. He led them to where? Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may what? See. Come on, shout see. Open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. And now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow, set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master? Last verse, then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master, so their bands of Syrian raiders came no more. Into the land of Israel. I want to speak to you guys briefly this morning off the topic of the baptism of hope. I want you to look at a neighbor, pick whichever one you like. If you only have one sitting next to you, that's all right. You ain't got a choice. You got to tell them. And tell them today is about hope. Come on, tell them there's a baptism of hope for you, friend. Come on, grab your neighbor by the hand, squeeze that hand tight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, for your word is spirit and it is life. God, I thank you today that you're going to give us the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray, God, that we leave inspired, inspired, empowered, encouraged by the power and presence of your word in the presence of Almighty God. And everybody said, amen. It's take, I've not been doing this long. I've only been preaching the gospel about two, two and a half years now. But in my two and a half, two to two and a half years, that's good, sweetheart. Thank you. In those two, two and a half years, I have come to find out a couple of things that I will continue to learn and that I'm still learning and we're always learning. Amen. If you're not learning, you're growing. But what I have found in this world of Pentecostalism that I have grown up in is that many of us are like Moses in the book of Numbers, I believe it's chapter 20, that says that when the people of God and when the Israelites came searching for food and when they came searching for drink, they said, there's no food, there's no drink, we're thirsty. And Moses went and inquired of the Lord, and he says, God, these people are thirsty, what shall I do? And when when that happened, the Bible says that he told Moses, he says, go, and I want you to speak, To the rock, everybody say, speak to the rock. Jesus told Moses, He said, You and Aaron, you guys go, and y'all are gonna speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, the water, how many know that rock represented Christ? He is the well of living water that never runs dry. When Jesus spoke to Moses, He said, You speak to the rock, and that was the way that Jesus was gonna give the Israelites a drink. But rather than speaking to the rock when the people of God came and when they were frustrated and when they were aggravated and they said, we need a drink, we're thirsty, the Bible says that rather than Moses doing what God had told him to do, he decided to smite the rock. In other words, he decided to strike the rock when God had just told him, speak to the rock. And what I have found is that so many of us operate from a place where the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 when the when Jesus was given the instructions of the people of building the temple of Zerubbabel he told them that it's not by might not by power, but by your spirit. And many of us that have grown up in a Pentecostal or even in a charismatic church, our hearts become hard and we end up in anger and frustration because we are constantly measuring our spiritual growth when in reality, Jesus just needs you to stand and know that he is God. You see, there's nothing that you can ever do on your own strength, by your own power, by your own might, by your own endurance. doesn't matter how many times you fast, doesn't matter how much you, pray. Jesus Christ wages war on behalf of His sons and daughters. The scripture that Matt read to you this morning, his set list was all up in my notes. This is the hope that Paul prayed when he said in Ephesians one, "I pray that the Spirit of God would enlighten you, that the God of glory, that the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that He would open up the eyes of your understanding, that." you might know what is the hope of his calling that are riches and glory. How many of you, that is a power packed verse that's tougher even to us, tougher us to even wrap our brains really around what that means. But for whatever reason, Paul decided to pray this prayer for the church of Ephesus. And that was, God, give them the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Jesus was longing for the Ephesians and for the church of Ephesus, as great as what it was to pursue pursue spiritual realities. You see what the Lord was doing in this room this morning, friend. He was releasing the reality of heaven that in Ephesians chapter 2 says you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We do not have to fight our battles alone, but it is the God of heaven and earth who left perfect creation and came down and escaped perfect, perfect place perf- uh, perfection and came down to earth as a man because he who knew no sin became sin that I through him might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So how many of you know that everything that we do in this kingdom is from a place of rest? And what I have learned in the two, two and a half years that I have been doing this, that Pastor John has allowed me to preach and stand in his pulpit, I have figured out quickly that I will burn and you will burn yourself out if you constantly go day by day by day. And us, as our, in our Pentecostal views and in our Pentecostal ways, constantly think and we constantly measure Our spiritual growth striving to get to a certain place when in reality we're striving for an inferior rest when God has come to give us a superior rest. Come on, that looks a whole lot different than me and you striving and me and you straining. The book of Colossians chapter 3 says, do not, in the passion, it says, do not be distracted by the natural realm, but set your mind On the heavenly spiritual realm to set your mind and on your thoughts on the heavenly realities. How many of you know that there is no poverty in heaven this morning? There is no sickness in heaven this morning. There is no lack. There is no disease. Cancer does not exist in heaven. Where the presence of God is, there is fullness and liberty. There is at his right hand our pleasures forevermore. For the kingdom of heaven is not meat nor drink. Drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I don't know what what person ever fed you the lie that you have to wait until you get heaven to see to see Jesus face to face, friend. Listen, His eyes are burning with fire ever continually. His hair is like wool. His feet are like brass. And the main objective for this life, according to John 15, is what union. It's Him in me and me in Him and that the world may see the God that is within us. John chapter 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God came, and He in him was, the light, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined forth into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You have the light of the world. It's not a little light, friend. Jesus Christ, the same God that created you is alive on the inside of you this morning, and he is fighting for you. And the most ignored person in the body of Christ and in our world is the third person of the Trinity, and that is the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit goes ignored day by day, and service by service, and uh, and program by program, and we have pulpiteers who have regurgitated something off the internet, and unless they preach their three-point sermon, somebody gave a message in tongues. We did the walls of Jericho march, and everybody shouted, praise God, and ran that we had us a good day, because by golly, that's what we're called to do in the Pentecostal church. But the problem with that is, is the city's not getting transformed, bodies are not being raised, and there's being no kingdom transformation that's being brought to our sphere of influence. And if you're a part of this house, that is what you were designed to be. Can I get an amen? So this man in 2 Kings chapter 6 He was the successor of Gehazi. Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. And Gehazi, over in 2 Kings chapter 5, the Bible says that he was greedy. When Naaman went down to Elisha to be healed, y'all remember Naaman uh, Naaman the leper? The Bible says that he was a devout man. He was a great man. He was a leader. But the Bible says that Naaman... Had leprosy, and when he had leprosy, the the word of the Lord came and said, "You go to Elisha." We preach this in Madison. Go to Elisha, and he's going to tell you what to do. Elisha gives the command: go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Seven is the number of completion. He was very intentional with what he says all throughout Scripture. To me, when I read about Elisha, Elisha represents two three two things: a double portion and the Holy Spirit. And so, what he told what what Elisha told Naaman is: you go and Dip, And when he dipped in in the water, the Bible says that he was healed. And when he was healed, the Bible says that Gehazi, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, was trying to get him to go because when Naaman Naaman was healed, the Bible says that he went to Elisha and he tried to give him something, but Elisha would not take it. And instead of just accepting the fact that that had happened, Gehazi says, the servant of Elisha, he says this, I'm going to go track him down because he's going to give me something in return. Turn. Then the Bible says because he was greedy that the, that what happened was was that leprosy actually hit him and he ends up dying. So now we find ourselves here's the context of the story. So now we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter six, which is after the floating axe head in the scripture. If you've got your Bible open in the New King James, it'll actually said the floating axe head, which our pastor preached a message titled "The Axe Head," which is an extremely powerful message. And if you've not heard it and you've got an iPhone, go to the App Store and type in Cornerstone Christian Church, the axe head, and I promise you that message will bless your life. Amen? And so in 2 Kings 5 and 6, this is the context of where we we are. And the servant of Elisha, who is now the successor of Gehazi, when the servant of Gehazi comes and he sees the army of Syria coming to attack, the Bible says that he could not see when Elisha said that those that are for us are way more, than the ones that are against us. He was blind. He couldn't see. And Elisha prayed one prayer, God, give this man, give my servant the ability to see. And when he prayed that prayer, the Bible says that he opened up his eyes and he was able to see, although in the natural he could not see. But the Bible says that there were horses of fire and chariots that were surrounding them and they end up winning because the enemy's camp came in and they ended up being struck with blindness and they end back up and the Bible Bible says that they never they never fooled with they never fooled with them anymore. Why is that? Because the supernatural power of God allowed Elisha and the successor of Gehazi his servant to have a spiritual perspective. That Ephesians 2 says that you and I can have that we can see into a heavenly realm that he might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The last time I stood and preached to you guys, I preached about the Bezalel anointing. The Bible says that Bezalel was filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So we're gonna talk this morning about hope being restored because in the kingdom, you must believe before you see. And many of us have dealt with because Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. I recognize and know that many of you in this room this morning have experienced hope deferred. You've gone year after year, moment after moment, service after service, and you have experienced disappointment, and you have experienced hardship, but the Bible is calling you up higher to believe that God has called you, marked you, and set you apart for such a time as this, to wreak havoc on the forces of hell so that Jesus Christ can rule and reign in the earth. How many know that it's all about the expansion of the kingdom? That can never happen if we see things with a natural eye. But we have to fix our hope first. God will never bring healing out front in the natural realm until he heals our heart spiritually on the inside prove it to me okay John chapter 5 there's a man that's laying that's laying sick and paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 the bible says that he was sick and he had been there for 38 years for 38 years this man had laid there and he had been sick and the bible says that when Jesus approaches this man at the pool of Bethesda that he asked him this question. Clearly he wants to be healed, right? 38 years he's been sick. The Bible says that there were porches there, and under those porches there was the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And the Bible says that Jesus is walking around, and he's looking for one that he might find because he's getting ready to heal somebody. This is in John chapter 5. You go look at it. And the Bible says that Jesus walks up to this man who is sick in his body and says this. Do you want to be healed? Of course I want to be healed, sir. And the Bible says that after he asked that question, then he healed him. Give me another out. So what did Jesus do? Jesus healed that man's hope to believe that Jesus could actually heal him, and he actually didn't have to spend the rest of his life paralyzed. So first he heals him internally, and then he heals him externally. Before you and I can ever go from glory to glory, we must first position our hearts internally. That says the battle is not mine, and whatever hardships that you have gone through in life, friend. Jesus is just setting a divine setup so that me and you can be the example and an exaltation of Jesus Christ. Everything that you and I are called to do in this world is called for the exaltation and the exhortation of Jesus. Why? Because if Jesus be lifted up, I will draw all men. So hallelujah. Are you tracking with me this morning? So we're fixing our hope. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible tells a story of a paralyzed man, and the Bible says that his friends raised him down, lowered him through the roof. There were so many people... And that Jesus is sitting there, and there's people crowded all around him, just like the lady with the issue of blood. And this paralyzed man, this paralytic, had some buddies, had a squad, had a posse that was ready to get this man healed. He lowers him down through the roof, and the Bible says that Jesus healed that man's sins. He fixed him internally, and then the Bible healed him. Many times, God not pouring out new wine to us is his grace and his mercy because he's trying to change your view and perspective on him that he is good and he is good always. If we could fix our inferior and false theology that says it's something that we do or it's something that we have to do in order to gain the approval of our heavenly father who is Abba, God, Daddy, do you know something this morning, friend? Let let me help you with this. This is an awesome piece of revelation. In the book, The Furious Longing of God by Brennan Manning, he says this, you could put together all the parents on the world and in the earth, and you could combine their love, tenderness, grace, humility, patience, kindness, goodness, and everything in their hearts that they have for their children, and it would just scratch the surface of the furious longing that God has for you and I. You see, we struggle to believe that because in the Pentecostal world, it was all about what I can do to gain. See, I I don't know about you. I didn't grow up with this theology that Song of Solomon chapter 7 says that I am his beloved and his delight and his desire is for me. He is ready for you to win at life, and the only thing that he needs you to do is obey the instructions in Revelation chapter 3 that says, open up the doors of your heart and let him come in. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see. Before we can have exterior hope, we must fix our internal heart. Greater is he that is within me. A performance-based mentality coupled by an inferior theology of our creator has led to the heartbeat of the body of Christ being offbeat and unhealthy as we have allowed our sick hearts to dictate the condition of our hope resulting in impaired vision. Many of you in this room may experience vision that is impaired. Maybe you're nearsighted. Maybe you're... Uh, Maybe you can't see things up close. Maybe you can't see things all far. Maybe like Matt, you can't see colors. Bless his heart. Y'all pray for him. Maybe you struggle seeing at night. Maybe you struggle seeing driving. So many of you, how many of you were in this room and you say, I have to wear glasses or I have impaired vision to some degree? Many of you in this room, okay, you may put your hands down. How many of you know that in the spiritual realm, Jesus does not desire for your sight to be impaired? He wants you to see with a whole new perspective that only comes when you realize, because Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, of all wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of the Anointed One is the beginning of all understanding. Bill Johnson teaches this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And he says this, that the fear of the Lord is just simply this, being aware that God is present. It's as simple as that, friend. It's not some huge formula. It's not some huge equation that the the teacher has to write on the board in pre-calculus that I never understood. I'm so thankful that I said yes to a kingdom that's simple, that says this, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Come and drink, because when you drink from that well, you shall never thirst again. Can I get an amen? God, fix our eyes. I want that to be our prayer this morning. What is the definition of hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Grounds for believing that something good may happen. I'm going to read that again. Hope defined is this a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Mighty God, grounds for believing that something good may happen. I've got news for somebody at Cornerstone this morning. Something good is going to happen. I'm drunk on hope this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine, Pastor Donnie, but be filled with the Spirit of God. What does that word filled mean? If you look that up in the Greek, it says this, inebriated. What does inebriated mean? Inebriated means to be fully overtaken. I'm talking about intoxicated. The Bible says, and Jesus is desiring for you to be drunk on the new wine of the Spirit. The Bible says that when men came to those men that were in the upper room, these men must be drunk, and he said, Peter says, no, 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 these men are not drunk with wine, but they have been filled with the Spirit of God. That is the desire for God for you and I, is for our cup to run over. Everything in this life and everything in the kingdom is to be done from a perspective and from an overflow of our lifestyle of intimacy, according to James chapter 4, that says this, have you forgotten that the spirit that breathed life into you is intensely desiring for more and more of you. Wow, is that not good news this morning? That means that the God that fit and formed me from the dust of the world is the same God that's right here in my very being, in my innermost parts, and he is constantly desiring for me and you to just get away with him. Matthew chapter 6 says when you go into the room shut the door praying and spending time with the Lord is not a if it's not a maybe it's not well I well well I well I need to do that no 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 it's praying without ceasing. Paul told young Timothy, he said, pray with all gratitude. We must pray and pray constantly. I'm not talking about going around in Walmart talking about all the time. I'm just simply setting your heart and mind and meditation. The Bible, there's about meditation all throughout the Bible. And I don't know about you, but this is easier said than done for me. Because I believe, because I don't, man, this is just my life story. I've had success in life, and I can can pretty much pick anything up and be okay at it. You know, I like to shoot hoop. I'm white, but I like to shoot hoop. I can do that pretty good. I was a decent baseball player. I like to speak. I love people. I just love life. I can pretty much do things well. But the problem with that in the kingdom is God never designed to use your own strength. Because he who is faithful and he who called you will be the same one that will be faithful to fulfill every single promise over your life that is yes and amen always. So we need this revelation this morning that God is trying to fix our prophetic views. He's trying to fix our prophetic sight. And there are many people in this room that God is desiring for you to be a seer. You said, what is a seer? A seer is just someone who has the ability to see into the spirit. If you have never read any of James Gaul's books, I highly encourage you to go and to read James Gall's book. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see the gift of the seer. Jesus was a seer. Prove it to me. Okay, John chapter 1. The Bible says that Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree, and before Jesus ever got to Nathaniel, the Bible says that Jesus called Nathaniel out and says, this man is a good man. He saw him, but before he ever got to Nathaniel, not only did he see his condition, but he saw the heart of a man. You and I have been designed and are set up and are destined to peer into that type of realm. You say, well, I'm not gifted. I'm not prophetic. You don't have to be a highly gifted person to see with a set of spiritual eyes. God is calling you to peer into the heavenly realm and to reach into the treasure box of heaven and to begin to pull out the deepest things of God. Jesus is not boring. We are boring. Fortnite is boring. You know? Help us, God. We are not whole. Therefore, we cannot see. We cannot see, and we have no hope. Hosea 4.6 says this, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What type of knowledge? The Lord is present. It's as easy as that. Jesus Christ is with me. The beginning, the fear of the Lord... The knowing that God is present is the beginning of all knowledge. It first starts with knowing that he's with me. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that God is with me. And I need to be reminded of what the man said this morning, that no matter what I do, Jesus is with me in the storm, the mountain, the valley, left, right. He is always with us. Spiritually blind. Paralyzed by fear. Fear can go to hell. Fear will paralyze you. And the call of the Lord this morning is to be unashamed and to pursue God and to say, you know what? This fear that's held me captive, this guilt that's held me down, this shame that's tracked me down for so long, the Bible says according to the word of the Lord in Exodus chapter 20 that came from Moses, Moses goes and inquires of the Lord and he tells them, just go tell them to stand. Moses goes back to the people. And you know what he says? Just stand and know that I am God. And the Bible says that once he told them that, The Red Sea uh, parted, and the Bible says the Egyptians never did do anything else to the Israelites anymore. Why? Because of rest. Because of knowing that Jesus was with them. It's simply about an awareness that Jesus is in you, with you, around you, and pursuing you. Jesus just does not love you, friend. He likes you. Jesus is not just in love with you, and he's not just pursuing a relationship with you. He is desiring union with you. It's I with him and him with me. Amen? All right, we're almost done. You ready? Fixing our eyes. We're fixing our eyes. When we see things from a perspective of hope, life changes. The Bible says that Gideon was called out by God, what? As a mighty man of valor. Do you think that Gideon felt like a mighty man of valor when he was hiding out in a wine press because he didn't want to see, talk, or be around anybody? And the Bible says that Jesus, that the angel of the Lord comes and he calls him and he says, you mighty man of valor, rise up. And then he goes and he defeats the Midianites. Why? Because a word of victory, because a word of hope, because a word of encouragement. Do I have anybody that believes this morning that things are not getting worse, they're getting better? It's this false theology that we have that says we've got to escape the world when in reality, God's chose you to change it. God wants you to change the world, not escape it. Not escape it. Not escapism. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. If faith, listen this morning, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then I would like to suggest this. Hope comes by seeing and seeing into the supernatural realm. The Bible says this, that in, why did you read me this? All to come to this right here. In 2 Kings 6, the, the passage that I just read to you, the Bible said that Elisha was in Dothan. We hear about Dothan two times in the, in the Bible, both in the Old Testament. One where Joseph about Joseph, and the other time, that's where Elisha was at. The Bible says that Joseph was at Dothan when the brothers came and sold that man into slavery. Then, that's where the supernatural took place in 2 Kings 6, and the horses of chariots and fire appear to the man, and and God and Elisha says, God, open up these man, this man's eyes that he may see. It was at Dothan. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you this morning that the same place that the enemy tried to knock you down will be the same place that God will turn it around for your good. That's what happened to Joseph. He was sold He was sold into slavery at Dothan. But then the Bible says that he turns it around and he uses it for good, and now the supernatural happens. Mighty God. That's good this morning. I had an encounter with the Lord about two weeks ago, early in prayer one morning, about 6, about six o'clock. And that Jason Upton song, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This generation now more than ever is tired and thirsty. They're like David, man. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says that David was longing for a specific drink, a drink that he knew about when he was a child. And the Bible says that his army goes and they get and they get out of the Philistine camp. They go into it, get the drink of water, and bring it back to the man. This generation is tired and thirsty. They are searching for things left and right that can fill their desires. But the problem with that is, is you will never, your thirst. Your thirst will never be quenched until you drink of the well of living water. His presence is the only thing that changes us, that transforms us. And until God, until God becomes real to you, transformation is not happening. But when God becomes real to you, transformation is assured. That's John Paul Jackson. We need God to become real now more than ever. Not a distant God. Not an unavailable God. Not a disinterested God. Not a God that's too busy. Not a God that's angry. Not a God that's silent. But a God that cares. He's not just holy, but he is caring. He is just as much caring and loving and kind as he is omnipotent. He is just as much loving, kind, and merciful as he is holy, judge, righteous. I'm thankful for those attributes of God. But I want to know the God that's different than any other God that what separates him. Because Muslims think their God is omniscient too. Muslims think their God is omnipotent and omniscient and holy as well. The difference between my God and their God is that Jesus Christ is Abba. He is Father God. He is Bridegroom King. His desire is for me. His plans are chasing you down this morning. We don't believe this, but I'm beginning to believe it. Come on, somebody. I'm beginning to believe it. We, I heard this. This was a real life story that happened to me. I was talking with a friend, and this friend said, You know what, man? I just think that there's something about Cook County. You know, there's just a bad taste in, the, in a lot of people's mouths about Cook County. And people made comments about, our, about some of our sports teams and said that, man, you know what? We're just kind of used to losing. The problem with that is, is that when we get so used to losing, we actually fail to ever position our hearts in a place of victory. Do you know that the more you wallow in sorrow, the more you will be in sorrow? The more that you hang out there and return to the vomit of the dog, you will continue to smell like it. But what you behold is what you will become. What you stare at is what you will be. We need the oil of heaven to saturate us. Okay. So we, we have so many coping mechanisms that we've actually forgot to place our heart in a place of victory. Come on, what did I say in the meeting the other night? In the book of James, it's chapter 1. It says this. Holy Ghost, thank you. It says this. Mighty God, this is good. I'd read the whole thing to you, but I don't have time. James says this. Make sure. Come on, I feel this in my bones. Jesus, James says this. That Make sure when you ask. You ask with a confident faith, knowing that, I got to read it, James chapter 1, in the Passion Translation. Just, man, come on, if I didn't come anything to do, 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 anything today, but to just simply tell you that Jesus is with you, and when you ask him something, he hears it. He's not some distant God that doesn't care. He's interested about your life. If you make your bed in Sheol, he is there. If you ascend into the heavenly realm, God is there. The psalmist David says that I set the Lord before me. James chapter 1 in the passion. Please, God, let this internet work because I can't turn my Bible there right now. James chapter 1. No, not 1 Peter. James chapter 1. Stanton. Oh, gosh, I just got to read it to you. Thank you, Lord. Here we go, James chapter 1. If you got a passion, that's where I'm at. Oh, here we go. And if any, I'm in verse 5. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it. He'll give it to you. Ask, and you shall receive, children of God. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. You cannot receive what you do not ask for. Hunger and humility is the currency of heaven. It's positioning your hearts in worship, knowing that if God does not speak to me, that I cannot muster up some type of faith to do it on my own. But faith says, which is the currency of heaven, faith says even though I do not see it right now, I'm willing to set my mind on what the Bible says that is the solid rock, and that is when the enemy came against Jesus, he says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. We have got to open the book and apply it to our lives. My God, this is an instruction manual for us. If we would get it off the shelf and get the dust off of it and just read it. What do I read? Read. Read Psalms. Read Psalms until you puke Psalms, and it'll change your life. James chapter 1, verse 5, and if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom, Stanton, as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. This is so liberating to me, as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. But he'll just overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. What type of God is that, man? Jesus. This is exciting to me. This is the gospel. Do you hear what I'm telling you? This is the gospel. If it's too, ba- if it's not big enough, and if you can think it, you're not dreaming big enough. Dream big, man. The dreamer is in you. So dream big. When God put you on the earth, he wrapped flat. He put a dream on the earth and wrapped flesh around it. You are a walking, living, breathing, talking dream. Ho. Oh. Here we go. Just make sure so he won't overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Or excuse me. He will he will he will do that. He will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace, verse 6. Just make sure that you ask when you ask. Just make sure that you ask empowered by confident faith. Without doubting that what? You will receive. Just make sure. I'm going to read it again until you get it. Just make sure that when you ask, you ask empowered by confident, not just faith, confident faith. Without doubting that you will receive For the ambivalent person or the wishy-washy person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like a rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. But when you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. The King James renders that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let us leave this place this morning with one unfailing, unmovable, unshakable truth that the hope of the world is with you this morning. I'm almost done. So being a performance-minded person, will lead you into a works-based mentality that actually causes you to never measure up. I know a lot of people that are, that are gauged and that gauge their success by how much they are accomplishing. The problem is, is that Jesus says, be still and know. The problem with that is that Jesus never tells you, go out and accomplish a bunch of great things. But everything that we do is from a place of overflow. Therefore, Jesus just needs you to say yes and let your light get out. There was a man sent from God named John, and John was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, Pastor Donnie. So, let's go on a quick journey for three minutes. Can you give me like three more minutes? Everybody okay? All right, John chapter 14, you don't have to turn there. Y'all know the story in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Do you know that Jesus took those men of God through a process of healing before they ever encountered the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? There was a process, and it starts in John chapter 14. And it says this, do not worry. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That word temptation or troubled in John 14, 15, and 16, most of the time is translated piasmos. Piresmos means agitated. It means don't let your internal internal world, because it's most, most uh, distinctly connected to John chapter 5 concerning the angel that was stirring the waters at the pool of Bethesda. So Jesus was telling his disciples in John chapter 14, do not let your heart be troubled because I'm Getting ready to leave you, and when I leave you, I know that you're that you're gonna you're gonna be in sorrow. But I'm sending you a helper, and he's a comforter, and his name is the Holy Ghost. There are three levels of relationship in this life, friend: physical, soulful, and spiritual. Physical has to do with physical touch, with uh, what I do with Miss Abby. Glory to God, she looking like a snack over there. Number two, soulful. It has to do with personality, okay? I know Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith. I talk to Matt Smith. The Bible says that Jonathan's soul was knit to David. So that's the second realm of friendship and relationship. The third realm is the spiritual realm. The disciples knew about the soulful realm. They spent three and a half years with Jesus, They knew about the soulful realm and the physical realm. They touched this man. They moved in and around this man. They watched him perform great many signs and miracles. But the spiritual realm they had not yet experienced because Jesus says that I'm going to come and I'm going to endue you with power. Somebody shout power. Come on, say it like you mean it. Power. And so this is what happens. The Bible says that the same people that are going to scald me, that are going to hate me, that are going to crucify me, the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart, don't fall into temptation. In John 14, he says it. Then in John 15, he says it. And then in John 16, he says, don't fall into temptation. Smos in the Greek. Don't be agitated. Don't be worried. Elisha's servant in 2 Kings 6 that we read, he was troubled. He was worried because fear had paralyzed him. Because he didn't see Jesus with his natural eye. And I see so many Christians worried about so many things because they cannot see Jesus with their natural eye. But in Luke chapter 22, friend, this is good news. The Bible says that once he leaves the last supper, the Passover, he's giving them the bread and he's giving them the wine and he's getting ready. And this is the discourse of Jesus. This is his last words To his apostles and to his disciples don't let these are his last words don't let your heart be troubled don't let your heart fall into temptation don't be sorrowful there's a lot of people in this room that have dealt with a lot of great sorrow but I've got news for you this morning and it's good news and watch what I'm about to tell you and then in Luke chapter 22 the Bible says that when he leaves the upper room he eats the food they drink the wine he comes down and where does he go he goes to the Mount of Olives because uh, olives because it was a custom for him to to do that in the garden and he begins to pray and the bible says that that's when he says that the blood begin to turn that the sweat begin to turn into blood and he asked the father he says yahweh if this is not or let this cup pass from me but if but if it is your will let it be done and the bible says this that jesus told the disciples Don't be in sorrow. Don't be in temptation. Jesus escapes the upper room. He comes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Or excuse me, he comes to the garden to pray. Then, when he comes to the garden of prayer, before he goes there, and when he's getting ready to go there, he tells he tells a squad. He tells them this. He says, "Don't let your hearts be sorrowed." Then, when Jesus comes back from the garden, he finds them sleeping. I used to believe that that had to do with some sort of spiritual hunger problem that Peter and the boys had. Then I realized in the New King James, it says this, they were asleep. When Jesus came back from the garden, he approaches the disciples and the Bible says that they were asleep from sorrow. Their hearts were so sick that this man named Jesus that they had known and walked with and come to believe was the Lord of lords was sick and they fell asleep just hoping that it would pass by. That is the story of many of you in this room this morning. You are asleep. Your heart is sick and you are just asleep hoping for things to just pass by. But the Bible says, come on somebody, in John chapter 20 that after he went to that cross and after he went to that tomb, the Bible says that he appeared to them again. And they were no longer sorrowful. They were no longer in temptation. They were no longer asleep. They were no longer sad but the bible says that they were happy They were happy at that moment. They went from being asleep to now they are fully alive. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus was for them. Jesus was with them. And I want to tell you this morning, friend, Jesus may not be with you right now, but the Holy Spirit of God is in you. Jesus is not on this world anymore, friend. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. But Holy Spirit is. He was hovering over the waters and Jesus spoke and there it happened Holy Spirit is a creator where there is no hope there can be no creativity where there is no rest there can be no faith and where there is no faith there can be no hope and where there is no hope there can be no prophetic flow and where there is no prophetic flow there is no creativity we need the wisdom of heaven now more than ever and I want to tell you this morning whatever you've been through whatever you're going through whatever struggle that you've dealt with in your life. Although you can't see Jesus with your natural eye, the same way that the disciples could not see Jesus with their natural eye, Jesus said there's someone coming that's going to help you, and he's going to endue you with power. Power for what? Power to overcome. Power to heal the sick. Power to raise the dead. Power to advance the kingdom. Somebody give God praise. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Philip says, well, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. Jesus was leaving these men, and their hearts fell into temptation, and they fell asleep. Allie Matt, will you come help me? I want to ask you this morning, friend, is your heart asleep? I'm not talking about, like, I'm talking about, hope deferred. Your heart has fallen asleep. You once believed. You once had faith. But I came as a prophet this morning to declare to you the word of the Lord that he, listen, Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is mighty. He cares. He knows every detail, every hair on your head. He knows it, friend. He is longing for you. And he is fascinated with you. He not only loves you, but he likes You. fix your hope on the one where your help comes from my help comes from the Lord he is always with me he never leaves me he never forsakes me y'all lift your hands he is the battle is not mine but the battle belongs to the Lord a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come nigh my dwelling Jesus Christ is for me come on somebody say that out loud Jesus is with me He's fighting for me. He's not forgotten your story. He knows where you're at. He's not scared. He's not up in heaven. Everybody look at me. Jesus is not up in heaven like this. Oh, God. Oh, man. I am worried about that Stanton because he just can't seem to get it right. And time after time, oh, God, I'm nervous, and his palms are sweaty. Jesus Christ is not scared worried fearful one bit this morning hope deferred makes the heart sick but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life the fear of the lord is the beginning of all wisdom and his understand and the understanding of the anointed one don't enter into temptation Don't let your hearts be sick. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be stirred internally for what's about to take place externally. Because the same people that crucified me and that hated me, they're going to hate you too. But listen, I'm getting ready to send you a comforter. And when I send you a comforter, your whole life is going to be flipped upside down. And I'm going to endure you in power. And there's a suddenly that's going to happen. But before that suddenly can happen, i got to take you through a process. And I'm going to pour out the new wine. But before I pour out the new wine, I'm going to you to oil. In Mark chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, no man pours new wine into an old wine skin. Why? Because new wine into an old wine skin will bust it. That word new wine right there in the Greek has to do with with a renewed body and a renewed soul. It has to do with the exposure to oil. It's first oil and then wine. The Bible, Jesus wants to stretch you, heal you, make you better so that way you can experience the new wine. And the problem that has happened is that so many believers do not see Jesus rightly. A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing any Christian can do is to think rightly about God. What comes to your mind when you first think of God is the most important thing about your life. Is he mad at you? Is he angry? Is he silent? Is he disappointed? Is he aggravated? Or is he caring? The Bible says that Jesus passed before Moses with his what? goodness. And he said, God, show me your glory. Show me your goodness. Show me your glory. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus granted Moses his prayer, and he allowed him to see him transfigured in all his likeness and everything The, the the garment changes the hair is glistening like glitter that was the prayer of moses david was a man in an inferior covenant friend he was in an old covenant but david had the reality of a new testament covenant that said i don't have to just allow a priest to go in for me listen if you're riding off a man of god's willingness to get into the presence of god you are functioning in an old covenant There is a seat called the mercy seat that's past the Holy of Holies, and it's sitting there in that place, and that mercy seat is available for you this morning, friend. Do you believe that? Stand to your feet. Will you turn her keys up and this mic up, please? God wants to heal our hope. Pick me up, man. God wants to heal our hope, how we see ourselves. We have got to see with spiritual eyes. We need encounters in the heavenly realm. Listen, millennials and Gen Zers need open hearts. People say a lot of negative things about millennials and Gen Zers. Millennials and Gen Zers are saving the church. You say, okay, well, how does that happen? Because if over 50% of them are leaving when they go to college and they never come back, then how does that make the church better? The problem is, is that millennials and Gen Zers will not be satisfied with church as Usual, They have to have real. And the problem is until you function in a real type way, Jesus will remain silent. Holy Spirit is a gentleman, friend, and he will position his voice just below all the other noises in your life. And he is waiting for you to put him in first place so that he can whisper things like he was whispering to John the Beloved when he laid his hands on, when he laid his hand on the chest of Jesus. Only intimacy can do that, friend. Only the secret place with God can do that. Who's going to betray you, Jesus? None of the other disciples got to know. But John, through intimacy, got to know. It's going to be Judas. He got to know that. So what am I trying to tell you? There are secrets reserved. There is a prophetic stream of creativity that is available for you, but you got to fix your hope, baby doll. Don't let your faith be damaged any longer. Don't let your vision be impaired any longer. Fix your eyes on the one that called you. Fix your eyes on the one, like Joseph, that says God was with him. Fix your eyes on the one who created you, made you speaks to you and cares about your life with the eyes of your spirit you can catch sight and comprehend the deepest things of the kingdom namely the hope of Jesus is calling to each of us as a part of his church I'm talking about seeing with your spiritual eyes the glorious riches that belong to us a coheres with Christ and the continuing displays of God's mighty power in our lives Does the Holy Spirit want you to have impaired vision? No. Holy Spirit wants you to see clearly, friend. You don't have to be gifted that great. You don't have to hold a microphone. You don't have to sing praise and worship. You don't have to play a keyboard. You can see in the Spirit today. Fix your hope. Believe again. Let your faith arise. Let your hope be stirred. Come on, lift your hands. Let hope arise in this room. Come on, Ezekiel 37 says that the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus took Ezekiel out into a valley of dead, dry bones. And the Bible says that he told Ezekiel, you speak to those bones. And they begin to breathe and they begin to take life again. You need to speak to your situation friend. Jake Edwards told Ignite class a couple months ago, you gotta proclaim the word of God over your life. Get in the book and declare over your life what the Bible says about you, friend, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are are not a mistake this morning. You are not a failure this morning. You don't have to dress up like something that you're not in order to get the blessing of your Father. Let His joy wash over you this morning. Let His peace wash over you this morning. Romans chapter 8 says that those who set themselves and set their mind on the things of the flesh are death but those who seek their minds and set their minds on the spirit find peace like a mighty rushing river this morning the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 that we are not to live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God that was a fulfillment from Deuteronomy in the Greek that word that word proceeded The tense of that verb means then, now, and coming. He was, is, and is to come. Jesus is not too tired to speak to you this morning. Jesus is not too exhausted or busy to speak to you in the secret place and give you treasures of heaven. You can see, you can hear, you can know what the Spirit of the Lord God is saying. He that have an ear to hear, let him hear. Habakkuk says this, that he stood on his post and he watched to see what the Spirit of the Lord is going to give him. How do you watch and hear? Must have been through sign language. How do we hear many times? Through signs and wonders. Me and the children of Israel that you have given me are a sign and a wonder to the earth. You're a sign and a wonder. Just by you standing this morning, you're a sign and a wonder that Jesus is real. Anytime that you expose Jesus and the heaven uh, and the reality of heaven to somebody else, it increases their faith. Our world needs hope. Hope is way underrated, friend. Do you hear me this morning? Hope will be a currency that will be desperately needed in the days ahead. We have got to let our hope rise. We need faith and we need hope. But before we do that, we got to see. If believing is seeing, then seeing is, is seeing into the prophetic, into the supernatural realm. And you all can see and you all can hear. Let's lift our hands and we'll pray for you one more time. lebiande. lebiando, bianda. Come on, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The book of Jude says this, pray in the Spirit, building yourself up. Come on, right now, if you're a baptized in the Holy Ghost believer, begin to pray in the Spirit. Jesus is going to heal some hearts this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, come on, you just begin to pray. Talks about entering into the faith rest realm faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Jesus rested on the seventh day of creation. He created what he wanted to create and then sat down at the right hand of the Father in a place of rest and propped his feet up, making his enemies a footstool. And that tells me that if I'm seated with him, then I should also be seated from a place of rest. Come on. Rorabande le Bianci. Sheke Rabande le Biando, Ribianda la Labasa. So Ribiande le Biande le Bikiande. Ipoco ribisti de Biando Robonde. Leke Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come on, I wish I had five people to help me. That's all I need. I just need four or five people. Come on, let your faith arise this morning. Come on, lift your hands. Just let your heart go. Come on, it's 1221. We're going to be out of here in four minutes. Jesus, we want you. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to manifest yourself. Manifest yourself. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, and do what only you can do. I'm going to tell you one story because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we talk about Holy Spirit, he comes. Look at me. There is a woman named Helen Keller. Y'all know her? Helen Keller was blind and deaf. She had a teacher by the name of Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan would take her hands and she would form letters into the hands of young Helen. And she would try to help her learn how to speak because she was blind and she couldn't hear, and she couldn't see. And Anne would take Helen's hand, and she would begin to, she would begin to do different letters in her hands so that she could begin to read, and she could begin to write, and she could begin to speak. And the Bible says that Anne worked with, I meant not the Bible, but the Internet says and research shows, I'm so used to saying the Bible, the Bible don't talk about Helen Keller. Anne represents the Holy Spirit. Ann Sullivan. Listen, Helen Keller was the daughter of Arthur and Kate uh, and Kate Keller. And she was born, she had she had a horrible disease that caused her to be blind and caused her to be deaf. And so what would it be like to not see and to not hear? To know that you are in the world but not be able to see what's around you, not be able to hear. And Ann worked with young Helen. She worked with her, she worked with her, and she worked with her until finally one day, come on, man. Finally, one day, Helen was taken by the hand by Miss Ann Sullivan, and she began to pump the well. And when she began to pump the well, she would take young Helen's hand, and she would put it under the water and allow her to feel the water that was flowing. And then she would take her other hand, and she would spell water, W-A-T. E-R. Then she would pump the whale again, and then she would spell it in her hand, W-A-T-E-R are and do you know what happened to young Helen she overcame her circumstances because a lady by the name of Ann Sullivan was not willing to give up on her she stayed with her she stuck with her and finally she beat all odds and she graduated from Ra- from Radcliffe University with the first person. she was the first person to graduate blind and deaf with a Bachelor of Arts degree she beat the odds and she could not see She could not hear. What am I trying to tell you today? Maybe your sight's been impaired, and maybe your other senses have been off, but there's a man that I know, and it's not an it. It's not a fairy tale. It's not the tooth fairy. It is the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, rabbi. He is always there to comfort us. He wants to see you, and he wants you to see him. He wants you to talk to him, and he wants to talk to you. Lift your hands. If there's anybody in this room that would say, man, I just want somebody to give me a hug and help me because I've experienced hope deferred. I want to give you an opportunity. If it's one person, it's worth it. Come on, right now. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Everyone, place your hands over your heart. If there's one person, I want i want to give you the opportunity to come. We're not going to bow our head and close our eyes. If you want prayer this morning, you say, my heart is sick and I want to believe again. You say, I thought for one minute that everything that I had done had kept me down and had impaired my vision and Jesus don't want to spoke, speak to me anymore and Holy Spirit's done with me and he's thrown me to the side and he doesn't see me anymore. Jesus wants to reveal that he is real this morning to you. His voice is like a mighty rushing river. He is always speaking, and he just needs you to come to him this morning. Come to the altar, friend. Is there anyone in here that says, I just want to know that Jesus is with me? One person. Come on, is there anybody else? Come on, don't let her be the only one. I know that there's many people in this room. You have a sick heart, and you've fallen asleep, and you're tired. You want somebody just to agree with you in faith come on you want somebody to pray the prayer of faith with you is there anybody come on is there anybody else will you turn those lights off for me David this is how we're going to exit the service come on lift your hands to Jesus friend this is what it's all about this is what we came for this morning hope deferred makes the heart sick but a promise fulfilled is a tree of life come Holy Spirit right now do what only you can do Jesus we love you Jesus we welcome your presence Come on, right now, just take a couple minutes and just worship the Lord. Come on, let out of your belly, let rivers flow of living water. Come on. She needs it. I need it. We need it. She's not the only one that needs it, friend. We all need hope in this room this morning. Give us eyes to see, Lord. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.